Undrafted and Unedited Tales of the Glory Days, where we'll be talking sports and have special guests to reminisce on the good old hockey playing glory days. I'm your host, Peebwabs, and with me is my brother, who's barely living the hockey dream, hanging on by a thread. Abe Wabs, I know you just want to give us a little sneak peek on the Polish update, but holy moly, the family group chat was buzzing over the past week. Uh, what can you tell us to kind of give us a little bit of a teaser? Yeah, yeah. Uh, another episode. Happy to be on. That intro song gets me fired up every time. Um, but yeah, I'm on the brink of retirement, buddy. I'm, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm running on fumes here in Poland land. <laughs> Still, yeah, it's uh, I'm holding on to that hockey dream just like my hair is trying to hold on to its last follicles. So, <laughs> amen, um, brother, amen. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, right? Eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. In- insert insert Rogaine sponsorship here, right? Eh? There we go. You're about uh, go. three we'll years behind me now, so you're looking at your future, buddy. Oh, uh, fuck, it's not pretty. Okay, <laughs> 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 yeah, so uh, shit has hit the fan here in Poland. Um, Let's just say Dupes and I have been going absolutely toe to toe with Ruski. We had a we had a meeting us two, the president and the GM. And and if you want to hear about an escalation, that was hysterical. Dupes was going bananas. He like it was really really quite funny. I was just kind of sitting there eating popcorn and enjoying the show pretty much, but uh we've had some team meetings. Ruski's just been on an absolute tear. Uh, made me do a, f- a couple push-ups this week. I was giving it to him, so he wasn't happy about that. Yeah, team morale's a little low, but but my understanding, and, and Dupes has been around a little bit longer, he's kind of like the, the McDavid of the Polish League. Is he not in high demand because of his, his resume and like what he's brought to the table over the past couple of years in that league? Yeah, oh yeah, Dupes is like, a- any team would take Dupes. The top teams like love it. He The thing about Dupes is he's so big, so fast, and... If you want him to like, if if you told him to go out there and skate as fast as he could, head first into the boards, he'd probably do it. Not for Ruski, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe for someone else, you know, for his teammates. Like he's just like a really good team guy and so skilled, so strong, so fast. Yeah, he he pretty much owns the po- Polish league at this point. Um, but what's what's funny is that yeah, we I have so many stories and I, you know, I got to bring in the big guns. So stay tuned, guys, because this week. We're bringing on Johnny Dupes, a.k.a. Francis himself, to do a little Polish update for me. Bah, 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 with me. Bah, yeah, bah, bah. I get didn't the have the horn going. going there. Yeah, yeah, get the, oh, fuck's sake. The, the big dog is coming on. He's coming on this week, so stay tuned for that because we're really going to dive into it. Um, obviously, I'm not going to leave you guys with blue balls, so I've got a few little funny things <laughs> that have been happening, but um, I'm not going to dive into too much stuff with, with the team. Uh, but yeah, we had international break this week, which means all the guys go to the team Poland. They have a camp. Uh, so the games are stopped for about 16 days. So it's a big break and everyone looks forward to international because normally guys can really travel. And that's when, you know, you can take a breather and get your guys who are injured back. So we were on, we're on that right now. So we have 16 days, no uh, no games. So we're like, okay, man, we're planning a trip. Guy on our team's like, hey, my uncle owns this like villa in the south of Spain. We look it up. We're like, oh my God, this is so sick. Looking at golf courses, trying to kind of book around. And here's Ruski. We're like a week out. He still's not giving us our schedules. So we're like, fuck, man, like what's going on? You know, 
six days, five days, four. Finally, our captain goes in. He's like, dude, we like we need to know what's going on. So obviously, we hadn't booked anything. Rusi goes, oh, here, heads to him, two days off. So we're like, okay, what the fuck, man? This is brutal. Last year in Amiens, I had five days off. So this is when we went to Lisbon. And um, that was a blast. But we're just like, man, are you fucking kidding me? Two days off? So Dubes and I are losing our marbles. And he talks to a guy on Katowice, which is the top team in the league. And he's going to Malta for seven days. (laughs) We're just like, oh, man, this fucking sucks. So we're we're pissed, blah, blah, blah. We have a game right before the break. And he goes, oh, if you guys win, we'll give you a third day off. So we're just like, dude, I want to go top corner on my own goalie so bad. Just I'm like, you piece of shit, man. Making us earn a third day. Are you joking me? All this to say, after the game, we ended up winning. After the game, Dupes and I packed the car and we drove two hours and a half to uh, a ski town. And it was like, it ended up being really, really nice. We stayed there for two days, stayed at a five-star hotel. This thing was like incredible. It's funny because we're rich people here. And it's so funny, dupes. We get there, the guy like comes out, takes all of our bags. Like, I'm telling you, this is a fancy-ass hotel. Yeah, I saw the pictures. It looked legit, man. It looked like picturesque. this guy comes out, grabs all of our shit. I lean over Dupes. I'm like, do you have any cash? Dupes is like, no. So we're both like, oh my fucking God. This guy's like lugging all of our stuff <laughs> onto the thing. And then Dupes like, okay, I'll go park the car. He comes back. He's laughing. I'm like, what? He goes, dude, I just parked the Terrios in between two G-Wagons. <laughs> <laughs> our piece of shit Terrios. So we're crying. We're having a good time. And uh, we get down the next morning because it was late that night and they have uh, free breakfast. So we go into breakfast. Man, you should have seen the spread. Insane. We're sitting at the table and I'm looking at Dupes and I go, man, this is fucking nuts. Dupes goes, yeah, they have a full fucking ham. I go, what? He goes, look, I turn left. There's like, do you know, in the, the like the whole bone ham. Oh, yes. In like a, a comic. Dude. Yes. They had they had that. They had, oh, man, I'm telling you, it was the breakfast, dream breakfast. So we go to the spa, We and it was all, all-inclusive spa. So they had, like, all the saunas and everything, and then a really nice pool area with hot tubs. So we spent most of the morning there. And then they had a secondary spa for, like, massages. So we go in there. We're like, hey, do you have any availabilities? The girl at the front desk is like, yeah, like, absolutely. Come back in an hour. We'll have a massage for both you guys. And we're like, oh, okay, sick. So we come back. She's like, actually, we have a regular massage for 70 minutes. And then we have a Thai oil massage. And both dupes and I, eyes light up. We're like, okay, we want that one. And the girl comes out of the room and she is like gorgeous. Drop dead gorgeous. I'm like, oh my God, this is fucking awesome. So dupes and I straight up rock, paper, scissors. I win. I'm like, Thai massage, let's go. So we go get changed. They give us these little like boxer shorts. I come back out and I'm sitting there and we're signing like the waiver. All of a sudden the, the receptionist comes out and goes, oh, okay, yeah, here's your guy. And I, <laughs> I look to my right and a little tiny Thai man. Comes no. <laughs> so I look at Dupes and I, I like kind of gasp and I go, Hey Dupes, do you want the oil, hot oil Thai massage? And he goes, No, no, you want fair and square, buddy. So the rocket comes out, grabs Dupes into his massage. No. And I, and this little Thai, 40 year old man, like this mini Thai guy goes, 
tells me to come sit and he starts washing my feet and i'm like dude what the <laughs> fuck did i get myself into <laughs> i'm in these like little booty shorts i get into the room and it's like just a mattress on the floor that's it i'm like oh my fucking god <laughs> <laughs> so a- a- anyways all this to say i'm not going to go into all the details of the of the massage but before going in, obviously, Dupes was, like, making jokes. Like, oh, Ty, like, happy ending, blah, blah, blah. First thing I do, I'm laying on my on my stomach. Before the massage even starts, I'm like, dude, this guy better not try to touch my dick. <laughs> dude, <laughs> this guy had me in – I swear he turned me into a pretzel, too. I don't know what the time – like, the time – he cracked every so what is it yeah body. is that is it like more of like a, a obviously like more of like a stretch slash like put you in these awkward positions like bend you around yeah, like dude, this guy this guy had me in doggy he had me in fucking <laughs> <laughs> dude, i came out of there i could have slip and slide the whole hallway like i was dude this guy used a full bottle of KY on my body, put me in 35 different positions, and just beat my body to fist. I walked out, and Dupes is waiting because mine was longer than his. So Dupes is in the main room, and he's relaxed. The rocket was rubbing him down. And I just, like, did a walk of shame from that room. To, and then I got to the front. And she's like, yeah, that'll be fucking 700's lot here. No. Like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 You know you know what fucked you? It was the fucking bag boy. He came over to the massage. He's like, these guys didn't tip me. Give him the Thai massage speech. <laughs> you got actually <laughs> fucking sandbagged by the bag boy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, so sure what's 700 sure Zotties this... into Canadian? That's what, a couple hundred? Yeah, a couple hundred bucks, but uh, oh, yeah. Man. Did you feel good at fun. least after? Like, did he feel like was it like a deep tissue massage? Uh, uh, dude, okay. In all honesty, all joking aside, the massage was incredible. Like, yeah. so so good. Like head to toe, every muscle in your body. You're feeling it was good. Really, like you felt really relaxed nice. after. It, yeah, it took me. Uh, it took me about twenty minutes to get past the fact that it was a little time man. And after that, <laughs> I after I let it go. I, it was it was really really great, but okay. fuck did I ever have a laugh when that guy oh came out? Oh my god, and like, the classic switcheroo! I could yeah, just picture Dupes must have been going wild. He must have been laughing so hard, dude. Yeah, and and we're in this like nice spa, right? We don't belong here right. at right. all. Right, you already stand out. Yeah. Oh fuck, do we ever? And uh, so we ended up like going out that night. We had a really fun time in the town. It's it's really cool. It's like a little ski resort so they have all the shops and the, the things and uh the next morning we got some facials it was the rocket who did them though so that was a experience i've never done that it was kind of weird but uh i was so hung over so we uh we're supposed to drive home and we're so hung over at lunch dupes is like holy fuck he goes right on kayak like booking.com books us a hotel room for the night so we stayed an extra night but yeah, it was really nice. Just yeah, to, it sounds like relax. you refresh, and I I know the the pictures you sent us were pretty awesome. It was like it was kind of like a well, it might not have been the season that they took the pictures, but the pictures you sent us, it looked like a winter type of resort 
like a kind of a cozy resort uh, type vibe. Like it was like kind of log cabin-ish. Does that make sense? What Maybe I'm yeah, tough to exactly see. Yeah, that's exactly it. But it was really like windows everywhere and it yes. was like a yeah. massive building. Like it wasn't separated. It was all like one spot and you know, the, you know, the, the stone fireplaces everywhere and, and the spa is like, has those like, uh, you know, those LED lights that you put around your bedroom, but they had those flashing a little bit everywhere. It looked really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually pretty awesome. So that was just nice to get away a little bit because, you know, obviously yeah. you'll hear why, why we needed to get away. Seriously, when, when a little decompression, de-stressing. But, uh, yeah, so th- things are c- kind of gotten better for me. Uh, I scored, so I scored in the shootout last last week, and then I scored my first goal after that. It took me forever. Yeah, no crazy. kidding, no um, kidding. F- funny story about th- the shootout game. So we go, we're playing Krakow. Krakow's a top team in the league, and how it works is after the halfway point of the year, which is ne- like before international break, the top four teams in the league qualify for the Polish Cup. So the Polish Cup is like a mini tournament they have in Christmas and they crown a Polish champion and then that champion plays in the Champions League the following year. So it's really, really important. Like we have huge bonuses for the Polish Cup. So at this point, like we started off piss, like you guys know. So we've just been crawling back and we had two games left and we had to win one of them to move on to the Polish Cup. So this is like huge, huge deal. So we get to Krakow. Dude, we get stuck in traffic. We show up to Krakow 10 minutes before the warm-up, on-ice warm-up. So we got guys doing the Russell Wilson high knees on the bus. Uh, we got guys. Have, did you hear about that, by the yes, way? Yes, I did Wilson. hear about that, yeah. Working oh, out on fuck. the plane or so, whatever. Yeah, so we're just like, oh, my God, this is brutal. Jump in, get into the ring, throw on our gear, and jump on the ice for warm-up. And uh, so, so we're just like, okay, we're going to get pumped. Uh, needless to say, we play like this pretty good game. We end up in overtime and in overtime I, I'm on the bench and like three on three is my bread and butter. I've always been really good at three on three. I think last year I had three overtime goals. So I'm like, okay, fuck. Yeah. I love this. It's going to be fun. You know, that's where you can be kind of creative and, and play dude, this guy, I, he didn't play me. So I didn't play the last five minutes of the third and then, uh, overtime. So I'm like, fuck, like, are you serious, man? Okay, I, I get it. No problem. So I'm sitting there and I'm talking to <laughs> Morocek next to me. I'm like, holy fuck. You know, shoot out, making a joke. I'm like, yeah, I, I, my skates are untied. And he like looks down and my skates weren't untied. But I'm like, yeah, I was damn close to untying my skates. I almost did the rally bucket, you know, when you turn the helmet upside down. <laughs> Just to like get the boys going. I'm dicking around. Like my tape's coming off my stick. Like I don't care. But I'm like, I'm not shooting. I haven't played in 10 minutes. So... He, he announces the first three shooters. They go out and do their thing. And then he just comes over and says, oh, Bob's, you're up. And it was like, what? It's our fucking turn. I'm like, thank God I didn't undo my skates. Can you imagine? Yeah. So I was like, oh, h- hang on. I bend down. I have to retie my skates quick. <laughs> but yeah, I went out there and I potted one in, um, in, in the shootout. So that was really good. Kind of get the monkey off the back. Yeah, there you go. Get the back. ball rolling a little bit. Yeah, but I was just kind of laughing like, fuck, man. And it, no warning, no nothing. Just go out there and. Do Did you guys thing. win that game then? So you guys are in the Polish Cup finally. So so we got we ended up getting uh, the, no we lost in the shootout. We ended oh, okay. up getting the point, and then we won the next game. But it didn't okay, matter so anyways. Just that point was enough. Yeah, that's kind of cool. But I kind of yeah, like that. Cup, uh, so. It's very similar to like the soccer format of like classifying and like these little mini tournament, the Champion League tournaments, and it's kind of cool that. Y- not only are playoffs important in the championship, but also these like little midway season goals and little tournaments also make sense too. And 
good opportunity, like you said, to cash in some extra change per diem. Yeah, pack. Get, I gotta pay. I, I gotta pay back that little tie, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess in France, like France, they had the same thing. They had a French Cup, and that my team had won it the two prior years that I was there. And and Joey West, my teammate, guy from Ottawa that we both know really well, he was there for both of them. And he says, "What's funny is that." You're you pretty much win at mid season, and that's a successful year for the for your team. So he's like, it's like you won the championship. So you go out and parties like they party for like a week. They did like a bunch of shit, but then you just like jump back into your your season, right? Right. So he's like, they ended up losing like seven games in a row after nobody gave a fuck. They went into playoffs. They lost first round. He's like, everyone just wanted to get the fuck out once they won the French Cup because it was pretty much considered a successful year for the team. That's hilarious. So they just like, yeah, they just called it. Said tank, they had a great time tank, for the rest. Go of the home year. early. Yeah, they're like, I, yeah, we don't give a fuck. See ya. Got paid. So that's awesome. Man. And that's yeah, that's it. Like I said, stay tuned because there's some funny stuff. Some funny. Uh, ah, those, that was a pretty doozy. If you're saving some funny, uh, funnier shit, well, yeah. Anyways, that's great. Do you want to go into my grind my gears, or do you want to skip right over it? Nah, let's hear it. Fuck, man. I've been talking well, enough here. I've had a I had a week to digest this. So my 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 blood boiling level has has reduced dramatically over the past uh, six or seven days. So feel free to intervene, cut in at any point, because I'm about to go on a rant. Okay. So first of all, I'm gonna ask you the question. It's a little bit of a rhetorical question because this is how I this is this is I typed this the night of. So I'm kind of respitting out what I my feelings were. I started off my first sentence is, you want to know who the most moronic, absolutely oblivious people to be walking on this earth in this day and age? This is rhetorical. No. You, I no, yeah, yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> no, no. I'm, reading, I'm reading the same document as you. <laughs> and you know what's funny? Is I wrote <laughs> no, this on I Halloween no or the day after Halloween. So I'm like, no, I'm not speaking about the 13-year-old that smashed your beautifully carved pumpkin this past Monday. It's yeah, fucking 13-year-olds. Beer league referees. Holy fuck, Bobs. <laughs> Man, I've had enough. I've had enough. People ask me to come play hockey now, and I'm literally like, I'm over it. I'm over hockey. And this is the prime example. And I honestly don't know where these beer league organizers get these guys. First of all, beer league organizers. this They're absolute plugs to begin with. But where they recruit these refs, I don't know if they put out like Craigslist ads, like morons needed, morons wanted. Or they're on a massive recruiting trip to your local grocery store, scooping up all the bag boys. But fuck, man, is it brutal. Absolutely terrible. So just to give you the lowdown, okay, we're playing a good game. And this is the team that we played in the championship last year. So there's a little bit of bad blood. And last year, we lost in the finals. We were in first place. But we had uh, eight penalties. They had one. So they ended up beating us on, on penalties. We were penalty killing the whole night. So it gets a little bit chippy. It's a little bit, you know, not physical, but guys are battling. Guys are battling. So the first penalty happens to me. Guy kind of cuts in, and he kind of – I'm playing D, so he cuts in front of me, and he kind of leans his, his shoulder into my chest, which is fine. And he's about to go on a breakaway. So I kind of wrap up, and we get, like, kind of tangled up, and we hit the floor, and we're kind of, like, wrestling on the ground. And – I get the penalty, and and as I'm going up, the guy tries to spear me. So his stick goes right in between my my chest and my my elbow, kind of like in my armpit. So it's kind of tangled in my jersey. I'm lucky that he missed. So the ref says 18 penalty. Yeah, no fine. So I get up, and his stick is still stuck in my jersey. So I'm not going to fucking 
take it out and hand it to him. I basically take it out of my jersey and I take a couple strides and I drop it on the ground. I didn't launch it or anything. Skate my way to the bench. Next thing you know, I'm in the bench kind of like fixing my skates and my helmet. I look up at the penalty box. The guy gave me a fucking dumbbell minor. So he gave me a six-minute penalty. Now, let me remind you, at this point, it's about 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night. I got my fat ass off the couch to come play hockey, and I'm sitting in the box for six out of 40 minutes. So <laughs> yeah, now six minutes is absurd. So, so now I'm cheesed. 30 seconds later, boom, another penalty on our guy. And, yeah, I could have been a legitimate penalty, and like, we were a bunch of French guys. So the guy says, tabarnak, and didn't even, like, say it to the ref or in his face or anything. It was kind of like skating to the penalty. Boom, tease him up. Six minutes. So now they're on a five and a half minute, five on three. <laughs> and the boys are cheese. Okay. Yeah. Follow that up another minute later. And a guy from the bench chirps the ref. Boom. Tease him up. So now we're three guys in the box for over three and a half minutes. And they score twice at this point. So boys are cheese. Boys are rattled. So here's, here's turning TSN turning point number one. I opened the bench door and I politely said, and I swear, I said, Mr. Referee, can you just explain to us why you're giving us the extra penalties? Like, what's going on here? Can you just chat with us? Guy basically fucking looks me off like she's a, she's a 10 at the bar and you go and I ask her like, hey, how's it going? You know, they just kind of turn around, see you later. And I think that's nothing more insulting in life, especially by some fucking scum referee that doesn't take two seconds to just be like, boys, everything that you say after the whistle or after a call, I'm going to give you a, a, a three minute penalty. Okay, done, finished. So the game moves on, and and basically we're down 4-1 to these guys, these plugs. I fucking can't stand the other team. And it's in between periods at this point, and the ref is skating by me, and I say, dude, you're being a fucking loser. That's what I said to him. Bye. Tosses me. <laughs> Tosses me. So then now I could just see the wires are crossing, dude. The wires are fucking crossing, because not only... This was my stat line, by the way. I had one power play assist, plus one. I had one hit for taking down that guy. 18 <laughs> minutes of penalty on three minutes and 23 seconds of, of fucking ice time. So I went all this way to Carlton, got dressed, got ready to play. Like I said, 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night to play three minutes, and this clown tosses me for, calling, for saying he's being a fucking loser. I'm like, dude, is there – he must have had a bad day. I don't know. Like – I didn't think it was that bad. I have tomahawk kids in men's league and only had like two minute penalty. <laughs> tomahawk kids. <laughs> so now yeah. I try and sit on the bench because at this point I'm like, I'm going to enjoy my evening. I just want to hang out with the boys. So I sit on the bench and I tell the boys like, look, I'm not going to play because I'm already tossed, but I just want to hang out with you guys. So the ref at this point stops the whole game, puts on the show. I'm not fucking doing anything till 18 gets off the ice. So then he talks to one of our guys and at this point, I'm trying to be a smartass. So then I move over to the bench where the glass kind of starts. So I'm technically like two feet off the bench, but I'm I'm still kind of on the bench, I guess, if you will. I know if you know Carlton, like the bench ends and then the stanchion and then you have like a little section of standing area. Yeah. So then, he's, so then again, go to the dress room. So now I rip the dress room. I get undressed as quickly as I can. And then I go into the stands and pretend like I'm a fan at this point. <laughs> Begin TSN turning point number two. Well, this referee starts to realize, well, fuck, we just gave those guys about five minutes of five on three and calling a shit ton of penalties. So now I have to start doing that to the other team. So by the time I went to the dressing room and came back, we are now on a five on three penalty. And they are getting rattled because the cheat calls that they are getting are absolute bullshit. 
So now you can see how this is already getting like boiling over. We're pissed because we've had all these penalty kills and we've been blocking shots and men's league game fuck penalty killing. And now they're getting cheese because they're getting iffy calls called on them to make up. So now we're in a quite the conundrum. And this is how it <clears throat> all boils over with five minutes left. Now the ref is like, okay, I've evened up the calls, so I'm not going to call anything. So one of our guys gets in like a little bit of a battle and he absolutely slew foot, PK Slubinator, slew foots a guy. And I only see it from the corner of my eye. And I see this guy sliding on his ass from his ringette line to his blue line. And he is fucking pissed. So they go at it. <laughs> they start talking like our guy and their guy. And uh, the ref sees the whole thing. But he's like, doesn't want to call any more penalties. So this guy decides to skate in our zone and fucking cross-check one of our players from behind, takes him to the ground, and he starts tussling with him. So then our goalie comes out of the net, takes off a blocker, rips off his helmet, gives him a clock, line line brawl, a men's league line brawl. Guys are like, <laughs> guys are grappling each other, they're chirping, there's a little bit of wrestling, a little bit of like punching on the cage. And this is all why this fucking plug of a ref is watching. So... Next thing you know, the goalie gets tossed, game over, end of game, everybody goes home, all pissed off, all pissed off. Now, here's the kicker. So then after the game, and this is where I'm from the stands now, basically saying, like, I didn't say anything rude, condescending, stereotypical or anything like that. I kind of just said, way to go, ref, like, first start of the game, taking over the game. And uh, he goes up to my captain, and he's like, yeah, that guy that was chirping, I'm going to give him a seven-game suspension. <laughs> Dude, we played 21 games in a season. That's one-third of the season for calling him a fucking loser, literally. Yeah. So then now That's I'm irate hilarious. in the dressing room, and I just wanted to go. I don't think I've ever wanted to. I was, there was one point of me that I'm like, I'm going to take a slap shot at him. That's how upset I was. <laughs> Imagine that. That would have been awful. But yeah. – but, you know, and then you go home and you feel shame the whole drive home. You're 32 years old. You just got tossed out of a men's league game for calling a, another grown man a fucking loser. You know, it's <laughs> it's tough. I It was really tough for me to admit this to my wife, Steph, and she just kind of like sh shook her head. She's like, you have a problem. And then, you have a problem. And then, and then it gets to the debate now is like, you know, everybody's like, well, you have to be nice to the ref. Without them, there would be no game. And I think that's absolute fucking bullshit, man. Honestly. And it seems like now I think back out of all the problems we've had at men's league hockey, and it 90% of the time, it's because the ref lose control or the ref don't take over the game. And this could have been all avoided, all avoided. Had the ref just come over, stopped the game and said, hey, boys, it's getting chippy. I'm calling everything over the next 10 minutes. So if you don't want penalties, don't do anything. Or, hey, man. When I opened the gate, hey, this is the reason why you got in sportsmanlike. I felt like you threw the guy's stick. That's why I teed you up. And then I would be able to explain my point of view. He would hear me out, and boom, it's done. And it seems like none of these beer league refs, they, they get that at all. They never get that at all. So I'm going to finish this off with number 36 of the Carlton Adult League Referee Association. I hate you, you suck, and your wife is ugly. 
Done. Fini. <laughs> Suzanne sucks pussy. <laughs> oh, um, man. Oh, uh, dude, I, I feel that. I and feel so much better because... now, though. Oh, off my chest. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you, you're a real man now. Yeah, I told him. I <laughs> you told got that him. guy. You got him. Got him you good. Got him. Yeah, uh, it's just like, and from a men's league ref perspective, or at least from my perspective, anyways, it's like, okay, show up, ref your game, be friendly to everybody. If it starts to get ugly, you know, like, had that guy come up to you and be like, hey, you know, I'm I'm refing this game, I'm I'm doing the best I can, don't be an asshole. Like, had he said that with that, like, kind of voice and been like, hey. I'm I'm willing to talk to you. Like, let's do this together. Just, just chat go with out the there boys. And have fun. Yeah, yeah. just Nobody. go have fun. If if you have if you're gonna pull some bullshit, hey, I, I'm gonna call you on it. That's my fucking job. But yeah, and don't no, be an asshole. And, I'll and, respect you, and boom, you know? And nobody wants to go there. He doesn't want to call, make calls. We I don't want to be in the penalty box. Like, it just seems so counterintuitive. And then the opposite end, we had a fossil as his, as his line mate, or whatever they call referee partner. And that guy had his whistle glued in his pocket because he didn't call a damn thing. And honestly, that's almost as bad as the guy that calls everything is the guy that calls nothing. Because once you let, like, five or six things slide, then it becomes the wild, wild west up there. And then it's just like you've yeah. lost control. Had that guy come over to the other ref and said, "Hey, man, let's let's chill on the on the the penalties and let these guys play a little bit," that would have solved also the problem. So it's just like, "Fuck, dude, do you have no common sense? These are guys that have never played the game, don't understand the game, can't have a feel for a game. Like you, you get a feel for a game. And I can tell you from the bench when the ref has lost the control of the game and when it's going to go chaotic. I think ninety percent of the people that play would understand that feeling. But these guys." oblivious to it and i get that they don't want to get in the middle of fights and stuff like that i understand that that their safety is an issue but 90 percent of the problems are referees and it's just like an easy yeah. fix Dude, when i worked at i worked at carlton at the rink while i was going to school there and uh i was like the zamboni guy and so we'd work in pairs it'd be me and and this other guy and uh we used to we we saw some shit man oh, <laughs> Dude, those leagues uh, those crazy. leagues got ugly and they were all ages all skills levels like they always got ugly and it was funny every time but we used to bet a dollar a game so our rules were <laughs> and we're the zamboni guys so we were only allowed to watch warm up and then you had to pick a team so i'd watch warm up i'd pick okay i'm taking the green team so i had a dollar riding in the green team against him he would take the other team and then the next ice time he would choose but it'd be so funny because we'd go watch the end of the games. And sometimes, like, guys would be, like, scrapping this and that. And we'd only have a dollar on it. And the other guy would just be like, holy fuck, we need some discipline on our team. <laughs> like, he's, he's going, going nuts. But uh, it was so fun. Yeah, so at the end of the night, you could be up, like, six, seven bucks on the other guys. That's just fun. Betting on the games. Yeah. Okay, but dude, let's get into league. it. 30 minutes. Yeah. We've been chatting a lot. So I the first guy we want to bring up is Claude Giroux. Six and a half times three years, and people were saying this was insane, bad deal. You're not the player you used to be. But, man, does this guy just do all of the little things? And, and again, talking about not knowing the game, if you don't really know the intricacies of hockey or, or say, like, oh, he's so slow and he can't do this, I could beat Claude Giroux, you're fucking out to lunch, dude. So just to throw out some stats, and this is maybe a couple days after listening, it might have changed, but uh, six goals, four assists, 10 points in 11 games, just under a point per game. You know, his face-offs are still solid, 55%, still producing on the power play. Uh, he's got a little bit of an inflation on his, his shooting percentage at 20.7%, which is really high. Uh, but man, does he just do all the little things? And thank God 
that we have him because Norris being out, it sounds like he's going to be out for some time. You slot him over from the left wing to center, or you can shift him anywhere down the lineup. And he just seems to be a perfect fit for the Sens right now, not in terms of his skill as well, but, but also his leadership and his veteranship, if you will. Yeah. There's, there's no denying that he's molasses slow though. <laughs> he does <laughs> look guy. slow. He does. Yeah. Look slow. Super slow, but, but that's a part of his game. It's like, those types of players that can slow down the game and he's playing with some, some quicker guys. It's like, okay, he's drawing people to him. He's slowing it down, hitting guys at full speeds. He's such an elite passer. Yes. But like, you could just tell the, the Sens need Claude Giroux. He seems to be like that calming force on the ice for these young guys. He's obviously mentor. Everyone talks about how good of a guy he is off the ice. Like super, super important that the Sens have Claude Giroux. And I don't think that's an atrocious deal at all. Like to pay 6.5 for a guy that's, I mean, if he continues at a point-of-game pace, which he sneaky does every year. People don't realize Claude Giroux is a point-of-game every fucking year. Yeah, he's pretty he's close to it. talked about. Yeah. So, I, I mean, listen, this guy is just, like you said, he does all the small things. And especially and on the power play, he, he coordinates all of yeah. it. He did this one, one-touch one bumper pass to Shane Pinto the other day for a snipe, and they seem to be have, like, a set play. But, you know, I, I, it's all those little things. And, and talking about men's league, I remember playing against him in men's league, and he used to do – Two things that I thought were amazing that that we don't really get to appreciate until you get to step on the ice on him. And one thing is he is such a amazing player of keeping that puck like two inches away from what you can reach. So he comes so tight to you that he forces you to initiate some sort of defensive play on him. But he keeps that puck just out of reach of your poke check, just out of reach of, of playing a body to angle him off. And I always thought that was so impressive. And once you have engaged and committed to him, he was so sneaky at doing a little backhand sauce, a little forehand sauce, putting the puck into open ice, dishing it to somebody else. And again, that's like his way of taking his man, taking his player. So I was always impressed by that. And then the second thing that I, I think he's underrated at is all of his board play. And I remember trying to teach you this thing, what he did to me is kind of like when he goes to play the puck into the boards, he lets you engage from behind. So if the puck is kind of like battling along the boards, he'll face, turn his back to you, face the glass. And instead of like the reverse hit that we see a lot where a guy literally like turns around and drops his shoulder weight full weight into a guy he kind of does like a sneaky kind of like push off where he lets you engage and kind of come to try and pin him from behind and then he uses that momentum to push off the glass and push you backwards and it's such a sneaky play because it knocks you off balance and it gives him a bunch of room so i think that's why he's been able to to still be so effective even being slow it's just these little things of keeping the puck out of out of that that gap out of that like stick range but also being sneaky plays along the boards to give himself some time and space and also attract some of those defenders to give some of those guys some an open look so um i think he's always impressive to watch on that end yeah also side note uh his i want to talk about his half uh oh yes on logan thompson uh, half yeah his half ice goal where he shot from the red line dude what is crazy is People don't realize he did that a million percent on purpose, and guys practice that. Yes. Mark Edward Vlasic, when he was practicing with the Ramparts, after practice, like you'd think he'd be out there taking one-timers. Dude, this guy was out there alone going up to the red line, like faking a rim and shooting one of those on net where it lands like right in front of the goalie. And he did that over and over, like these flick shots. Like they're hard and and he has them landing like four or five feet outside the crease, and they were bouncing up, bouncing left, bouncing right. 
And it's something they practice, which is insane. yeah. It's kind of like me when I have a two foot putt. You know, you get the little knee sh- the little little shakes there. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like when they yeah. sauce it from the red line. Give some of these goalies a uh, that ended uh, what's his face's career. The guy that was in uh, Toronto, frig, that's gonna kill me. Just made me think of it, but he got scored on from the red line. And then you never heard of him anymore. It wasn't Vesa Tosca. Reimer? No, 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 no. No. I'd have to look it up. I apologize for bringing that up. But speaking of Logan Thompson, like, holy shit, what a story. So this guy kind of comes in as your number one goalie after Laner basically comes out and says that he's done. He has hip surgeries. He's, he's essentially out for the season. So now you have a Vegas team who's loaded to the cap. You have this Logan Thompson kid that was playing CIS, Brock University, just two and a half seasons prior to to making it to the East Coast. And funny enough, he was actually with the the South Carolina Stingrays for a little bit. Plays 20 games in the NHL over two years, and then they sign him to a three-year contract, which his agent's probably kicking himself for. Dude, he's making $750,000. And he has stats like this. He's 6-2, 2.01 goals against average a 0.934 save percentage and he has two shutouts dude is this guy the real deal or is this kind of like the, a fluke yeah actually i was listening to uh spit and chicklets and merley uh, before the season had said hey like i'm taking this guy to win the calder because what a great opportunity for this guy to step into a, a sick team being the starting goalie like when do you ever get that opportunity so he's like yeah i'm gonna hammer him to win the calder and like it's looking like it's pretty smart so far you know but uh logan thompson yeah played at brock university he was there when i played and uh so my best childhood buddy lloyd was at brock with him and a guy i played with in Amiens for the past two years was also there at brock so when i signed uh to play in the coast with south carolina he was the starting goalie. And when I told the boys, they're like, oh, fuck, like our, our buddy's there. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, it's going to be nice to know a dude. He's like, ah, oh, nah, you're not going to want to hang out with him. I'm <laughs> like, oh, what? <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah, he's a fucking clown. And like, he's he's the team bitch every year. Blah, really? Blah. And they're telling me, st- yeah, they're telling me stories about how they were absolutely giving it to him. It, uh, <clears throat> in Brock, he's like, yeah, he was just like team bitch. I'm like, oh, fuck. So I walk in. First day, I'm there. I'm watching the game. Because I had just showed up to the rink and I had a Carlton jacket on. So right away he goes, oh, fuck, CIS. Like, yeah, I'm Logan Thompson, blah, blah. And side note, I watched the first game. He made like 35 unreal saves. was disgusting. I'm like, oh, fuck, this guy's good. And he's like, oh, I went to Brock, blah, blah, blah. And then like throughout that, just that night, like after going to the team dinner and stuff, this poor guy was just getting roasted. Oh, yeah. And it's where, yeah, it's rare that you're starting goalie and Gets. a guy who's like pretty much carrying your team is getting torched. Like, yeah, Because no they were kidding. in first place too, South Carolina. I joined halfway through the year. But um, yeah, it was just kind of funny to get that, that the sense from But him. is he like weird but, dude, or like guy, he just says some weird comments oh, or is he just, just kind of a goofy weird. guy? Goal, he's, he's just a goalie? He's just a goalie through and through. But like, I, I'm telling you, he could be the real deal. He was like that elite shooting on him and oh, seeing he's a him big boy day too. to day in practice he's massive he's so good he's so so good i hope i wish him the best we were in vegas last year in the in the summer and sky and and lloyd both guys from brock were there and they had messaged him saying like hey you want to come out with us and like he was just like nah i'm <laughs> big league <laughs> like, you guys no. yeah yeah he did and then i'm like yeah see it's fucking you treat the guy like shit and now yeah exactly when you need him for our bottles you fucking ass yeah you yeah. wanted him to come out with his seven hundred and fifty thousand to drop the money for you guys yeah yeah but didn't happen 
he's a real deal. Hopefully, he keeps doing well. Okay, Coyotes, Mullet Arena, dressing room, rank name. Oh, my God. They're going to be there for another three years, too. Are, are they the biggest joke in NHL history? Dude, if it was a one-year thing, I'd be kind of leaning into it. I'd be like, this is fucking awesome. You know, this is going to be really cool for the ASU uh, students. Uh, like, Mullet Arena is hilarious. Handing out mullets. Like, I'd be all over this if it wasn't for the fact that it's going to be like this for three years. That's right? just too – This is NHL. That novelty is going to wear off, right? Yes. Like, people are going like, to be like, okay – this is not dude, funny anymore. Dress, it's not funny room. anymore. We made fun of the the Calgary dressing room, but oh like, fuck, my dude. god! <laughs> I showed you the picture. There's, yeah, there's players. You're gonna have like yeah. third year players on a on a chair <laughs> in your. It home looks ring. like um back in the day when you used to go to like kids tournament where they didn't have enough dress room for every team, they would like invest in these these black curtains. So it's basically like a curtain divider, and they had concrete pad floor no decor decorations like usually when you go on the road like i'm sure with the ramparts they would bring like the logo they would try and make you feel like a, a home arena home rink or home dress room but this was just like the stalls were barely enough room for one it, it looked really really bushly yeah and people underestimate like the, the rooms like how important the room is you spend so much time in there you want to be comfortable you want to have like place for everything when i go on the road especially here when i'm asking the guys when i don't know what the rinks are like I don't care, dude, it could be the worst ice surface. It could be small. It could be whatever. I always ask, how's the room? Because there's nothing worse than going to like a tiny room and having to get dressed. People are in your way. You don't have anywhere to hang your equipment. Like it's, it's number one for me. Yeah. And you know, it's nothing worse. The analogy I had is the Medcalf Jets in our junior B league. They had the fucking worst rank and they had the fucking <laughs> worst dressing room. Their dressing room was so small that you had to do the classic like forwards in this room, defense in the other room. And it's just so pathetic. And not only that, that you're like, you're literally in the crowd because if you walk out of the dressing room, you're in the main lobby of the rink. So people can literally <laughs> yeah. sucker punch you. And that's what it looked like for the Arizona Coyotes. They look like they're like in the middle of like the concourse almost. And they're just kind of barricaded off. It's just so embarrassing. Yeah. But you that know Metcalf who's in... Jets. That Metcalf Jets rink was like a sardine box, man. That was so oh funny. Oh my God. Brutal. And I, dude, do you remember that year in junior B, I had to get dressed. Even in our home rink, our, our room was so small that my stall was the toilet. Remember that? Yes. You were the 16 year old rookie and people would be yeah. like, hey, Wobs, we need a Kleenex. And you'd have to like lean over, pick up the toilet paper. Dude, if someone took a shit, like if they came early and took a shit, I'd have to <laughs> sit in there to get dressed. <laughs> I forgot. I had a chair. That. And what sucked was like intermission. Okay, how many guys have to pee? So I'm sitting on my chair, and then Buddy would come over like, oh, fuck. I got to stand up, take my chair, walk out of the stall with my chair. Buddy goes, takes a piss, put my chair back down. <laughs> Guy comes, hey, can I have some, like, toilet paper? Sure, man. Here, blow your nose. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's actually so funny. I forgot about that. Yeah. But you know who the number one cheerleader or fan in the world is for the Arizona Coyotes and Mullet Arena for this to be a big thing and a good positive thing for the the Coyotes get some dubs. Who? Connor Bedard. Oh fuck yeah. Connor he's Bedard. Just, he's he's yeah. just hoping and praying not number 1 lottery pick cuz he like I mean even think about Austin Matthews. He's a UFA after the 2020 like after next year and there was talk of him going back to his hometown of Arizona and he sees this shit like there's no fucking way. Like, the Leafs are way better than Mullet Arena and Arizona right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Bedard's going to be sending prayers at this. They've won a couple games. He's probably selling hard. 
and and the Matthews thing, like, dude, you see, like, the way Matthews is dressed. Like, he he loves the glam. He loves being in the in the spotlight, hanging out with Biebs, this and that. Like, there's no way he's going to Mullet Arena. There's just no shot. Speaking of arenas, the Sens, big news that they're selling their team. So obviously uh, there's been talk ever since Mr. Melnick passed away. He has his little daughters, uh, Anna and Olivia, taking over pretty young in their their low 20s, low teens based, well, high teens, I guess. And um, there's a lot of chatter. So a couple things. Number one, which I thought was absolutely bonkers. So Melnick bought this 1992 for 90 2 million sorry in 2003 2003 he bought this 92 million bucks 20 years later it's valued at 655 million i couldn't believe that i couldn't believe that and not only that they had the highest increase uh 21 bump in the nhl based on last year in terms of their value their value of the franchise and people are saying that that price is very low because the sale is contingent on the send staying in ottawa so that means that the Sens moving to Le Breton Flats in more or less latent terms. So they're saying that this could be a $700, $800 million sale. Isn't that nuts? Man, that's insane. Talk about like a good investment. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's nuts. It's, it's, it's nuts. Um, I, I'm hoping that, you know, the sale happens in the Le Breton Flats could be really, really huge for the market in Ottawa. And you, they're smart. These people know what they're doing. They invested in a team. They made a competitive team. They got some buzz in Ottawa again. And they said, okay, selling on a high. You guys deal with the shit after, you know? But- yeah, 100%. 100%. They have a good uh, – the fan base seems to be a little bit more responsive this year. And, and they have some young players they can build on and market. And it's on a high. Like, might as well take advantage of it. And then you see the whole Ryan Reynolds thing. Did you see yeah. what he was on? I think Jimmy Yeah, Kimmel? he was at the game. Yeah, and he was yeah, at the he game was at the uh, last week. And People they were, were giving him, him the standing O. Yeah, fuck yeah. Let's get Ryan Reynolds, man. This guy, he owns a, a football team. I know, uh, like, but you know what the funny part is? Is like everybody likes him because he's a good guy. But if he ends up becoming an owner, he's going to be such like a minority owner that he, he's going to have no influence on the product. He's not going to have any say on any of the big decisions. Like it's just funny because people just like him and people that might want to partner with him like his image, right? He's a positive vibe in the city because he's kind of lived in Ottawa and Vanny area for a bit. People enjoy his movies. He's funny. He would be the poster boy of the ownership crew, but he would have such a small percentage of that 700, 800 million dollars that yeah, Oh, he'd I have no say. Negligible. He'd, no. He he he'd own he'd own like seven seats in the ring. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he'd be like the Logan Thompson of the ownership group basically. Yeah. Yeah. But uh I don't know, it's exciting anyways. Get it, get him in, get some faith, you know. It'd be imagine I was saying imagine like him and The Rock and like Kevin Hart or something <laughs> like went in together by the team. It'd be too much, man. There was a lot of like um, uh, Deadpool jokes of like Sens being in the Deadpool and they're like playing spins on the names, you know, of some of his characters he played in the past, Marvel characters. So I, I guess it's kind of fun and it's exciting and he's he's been hyping it up. I think he's been using it to pump himself up as a, as a valuable asset for other people looking to invest. Like, hey, cut me in and look. I've already got the fan base in my back pocket. So I think it's a good play by him. But again, I, I don't think people realize that he's going to have basically no impact on, on it, on the actual team or where it moves or, or so forth. Yeah, but we get to look at Blake Lively a little bit. And... Touche. Actually, you know what? Win. Fucking Ryan. I'll look at Ryan Reynolds too. That guy's hot. <laughs> <laughs> 
You would have preferred that guy over the tie guy, eh? I would have let Ryan Reynolds lube me up. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of, of big guys and guys that are, are used to be loved in Ottawa, dude, Eric Carlson is hot, hot, hot right now. And I had him circled on my draft in both of my hockey pools because I had read an article that he is feeling great. His body's almost back to 100%. He's mentally there. He's back in the game. Brent Burns is gone, his number one competition slash nemesis. He doesn't seem to like to have somebody else in the spotlight. And he has absolutely popped off, dude. He has uh, 10 goals, 9 assists, 19 points in 14 games. He seems to be the Carlson of old involved in every offensive play, carrying the puck, moving the puck. I think he had another two points last night, so this is before last night. But, dude, is he is he back? Like, Does he have a couple more good years in the tank? Dude, t- 10 goals. Like, that's insane. 10 goals, 14 He had a hat trick. I know. I know. The thing about Carlson is, like, I, he was never the same once he had that Achilles injury. You remember? But he, he was good in that playoff run, but I think he really messed it up. Like, he was playing hurt on that playoff run because he had hurt his ankle again. He had the Achilles from Matt Cook, came back, hurt his ankle something else, or his, his heel. He had, like, bone spurs. And then he played through it in the playoffs, and he was never the same. And then he got traded, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it's it's good to see because he's so fun to watch. He's so dynamic. But uh, I remember when the Sens traded him, like that looked like the worst trade. I remember being so mad, being like, "This is such a typical Ottawa thing to do." Like he's in his prime, this and that. And then we saw kind of the couple of years that he had, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, like maybe they saw something or knew something that we didn't know. Uh, but I was just thinking, could you imagine if at the deadline the Sens picked him back up again? Because they had, mm-hmm. you know, you, you look at Norris on the long term IR right now, and they need a D. They bring Carlson back in at a decent oh price. My God. That oh how my sweet God. would that be? That would be sweet. Is that even possible? Ah, uh, I guess it is possible because they're trying and to I mean, tank. Yes. San Jose doesn't want him. They could probably retain a little bit of salary. They're going to tank for Bedard. And could you imagine if like they get Carlson at a decent price? Well, it's funny because that was my follow-up talking about Bedard. It's just hilarious. Like, you know, they're trying to rebuild there. And Carlson's having a renaissance year. They needed these years when they were, like, cup contenders. Now they want to be tanking, and he's fucking carrying the team. And I, like, uh, I had a hashtag for the Sharks. You know, they're shark tanking for Debard. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's that's going to stick. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, so. Edit that in. couple crickets. But, uh, yeah, the owners – the owners in there cutting his laces before games. Uh, exactly. Un- trying to undoing sabotage. his tape. Yeah, undoing his tape. Fuck it. They trade for Mike Hoffman just to get in his kitchen. Oh, <laughs> that's bad. That's bad. But, um, no, and, and you know, the sense turned out good, too. They ended up getting quite a haul. Uh, I could be messing this up, but they got Chris Tierney, Rudolph Spalser, Dylan DeMello. They ended up getting Josh Norris. They ended up getting uh, the draft pick, Jake Sanderson, with that. And I think the other pick that they got was um, Shane Pinto. So, I mean, in retrospect, massive win for the Sens. At the time, it was terrible, horrible. But Yeah, dude, um, fuck, man. Who did they – and the players that they brought in at the time, I forget who it was, but it was so bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah tough. They, they but anyways, hey, maybe, uh, like I said, they're, they're, they knew something that we didn't, so – Anyways, Carlson back to Ottawa. You heard it here first. Put that yeah, on that's fucking an absolute, Twitter, eh? That's an absolute joke, just like the Toronto Maple Laughs. Tab, yeah. knack. Are they an absolute mess, man? Not only is Matthews 
he's, I mean, not scoring. He's not scoring at the rate that people predicted or the rate that he's done in the past. Then you have uh, Barry Trotz, dude. He's stirring the pot. He basically came on a on a recent podcast, sports podcast, and said he'd be interested in coaching a original six teams. But just to give you an idea, Boston, Detroit, Montreal, Rangers, and Blackhawks, the other five original teams, have all hired coaches either within the past two seasons or recently. So there's no chance that they're firing those guys yet. Then you have your boy Mitch Marner getting benched and basically benched for one shift. And then you have Sheldon Keefe. Like, again, it just seems like he's lost a little bit of the room calling players out, calling guys out, calling the teams out. And then last but not least, Ilya Samsonov is now hurt, and you have your fifth-string goalie in there. And you had to drop our cup dropper, uh, Nick Obey Kubel, on waivers. So you lost your, your, your little bit of cup veteranship. So massive mess in Toronto right now. How are they going to clean this up? Uh, what is one thing that you see changing in the near future? Ah, man, it, I, it's, it sucks because I... I've met Sheldon Keefe. I had a camp with him at uh, Team Canada East, actually. It was really neat. Uh, it was a tournament uh, that they play, and I went to camp in Toronto. This is when you were playing Junior A, right? This when it was Yeah, it's a Junior A challenge, and they make a Team Canada East team and a Team Canada West, and then you compete against the States and, you know, check and whatever, and it's a tournament. And uh, I went to the camp. So they, they host a, a camp at Christmas time. And then they, they make the team and you go right from camp. So it's pretty neat. But I, I was there and he was the head coach of the Team Canada East. And it was like, dude, they pull out the red carpets, Hockey Canada event. And like it's just really cool to get that. As like a junior A player, you get the feel for all this stuff. And uh, he, he just seemed like such a good coach, a good guy. And obviously like Dupes played for him as well in the Sioux and like had so much respect for him. But it, it, the problem is, is he gave so much leeway to these guys and so much rope and said, hey, I trust you. Go out and do it. I blame the guys on the team. I, I truly do. But it's like, man, it's getting to the point. They they, they need trots. I think they bring in yeah. trots. That that would be the change that they – we saw what trots did to Washington when uh, when they had their guys running wild for years, like the OVs and the Backstroms, and, and he reeled them in to say, hey, we're, you got to play the right way. You're still going to get your points. You're still going to be producing. But if you really want to win, this is how it's going to get done. I think you said it perfectly under Babcock. The leash was super tight. And then he comes in and kind of gives them a little bit of wiggle room of freedom. They loosen the leash a little bit, a little bit less, uh, a little bit more loosey goosey on the little details. And now he's trying to rein them back in. And there's nothing more difficult to rein somebody back in after you've let them loose. And I think that's what he's feeling. He's trying to figure out ways to kind of bring it back a little bit and, and remind themselves that, hey, there's a structure we need to play. It's not all about skilled plays. And I think you're absolutely right. Dubas needs to get on the phone with trots immediately and give them carte blanche. Basically say, here's a blank check, put in the number you want, and we'll see you tomorrow. Because I, I think at this point, they're they're at make or break of their season. And maybe just a good change of voice. And again, nothing against Sheldon Keefe. I actually think he's a great coach too. I made reference to watching him on those uh, documentaries that they had of the Leafs behind the scenes. And I think he speaks well. I think people respect him. I think he was just in a shit sandwich situation that kind of tried to band-aid fix the first year and then now he's he's kind of in too deep and uh there's no going back so it'll be interesting and and again there's a prime example of like benching marner for one shift bro what the what the fuck is that gonna do 
literally, he's scared to hurt this guy's feelings. He's scared for it to come out in the media, so he benches him for one shift, and that's after Marner basically gave up the puck twice in the neutral zone trying to dangle, and they went down and scored twice. Um, and then, I don't know if you saw the end, but he goes down the tunnel, and he smashes his stick like a 12-year-old, like a little hissy fit. I don't know. I think that was just a, a bad look, but a really telling a real big tell as to what's going on in the coach's head where he, he can't be too firm because he's scared to hurt their feelings. But at the same time, he's trying to drop the hammer by giving Marner one shift off. Yeah. Might as well give him a pee pee whack at that point, you know, <laughs> just a little, a little pee pee whack from Marnsey. But uh, yeah, Marner's a wiener. Uh, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared. He's going to be the whipping boy, man. He's, you know, they wanted out the other like two years ago when he wasn't scoring the playoffs, and he seems to be slowly being the guy that people are blaming and turning on. And it's really sad, man, because he's actually fun to player to watch. Yeah, he's he's he might be one of the he he might be one of the best passers in the league, if not the best. Like I I fi- as far as like creating opportunities and like the dishes that this guy makes, that the no looks, the behind the backs, like it's pretty impressive. But yeah, he's. He's a turnover machine. Well, he's the king of the delay. He's the guy that likes to come in hot on on a on a rush, kind of force the D to play a little bit softer, and then once he gains his own, he loves to curl back along the boards and and look for a pass. And I think that's why he gets stymied all the time in playoffs, where guys are actually back checking hard and they they do a little bit more video, and he kind of gets clogged up in that where he's his master is when he attacks hard and and cuts back in the zone and makes a sick pass to somebody streaking in. They really cut down on that. But speaking of a team that's kind of in a similar situation, McDavid and Drysaddle and the Edmonton Oilers, they're kind of like, they're spinning in mud right now. They're on a little bit of like a, a, I wouldn't say losing streak, but there's some red flags being summoned. I mean, Jake, Soupy Campbell, Jack Campbell has been terrible. And they've tried to split up McDavid and Drysaddle, and it's been working. They both have been unbelievable. Like, I just checked, McDavid's on an 82 goals scoring pace, 170 points, <laughs> and Drysaddle's on a 157-point pace. But they've split up the lines. They have line one, McDavid, Hyman, and Nugent Hopkins, and then line two, Drysaddle, Yamamoto, and now that Evander Kane is hurt. Looks like it might be our boy Puyavri, but, man, uh, are they in a similar situation to the Leafs? Uh, the problem is, is like it, they're in a, a way different situation because they are reliant on Leon and Connor, and they're producing at almost better rates than you could even expect from them, and they're still not getting the results. So it's like, as far as Leafs, you're like, man, if 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 Matthews and Marner really start to pop off at even you know two thirds of the rate that these guys are, or you look at Tavares, you're looking at. If everyone just pulls their weight in in Toronto, man, they could really turn this thing around. But it's like, how is Edmonton going to turn this around? Like, who's going to step up? They they don't have the goaltending. They don't have the defense. They don't have these third fourth line guys that are contributing. So it's like they're never going to go anywhere. Like you said, yeah, they're stuck in mud. I read somewhere that their third line has one goal among them, which is really well, devastating. Go. But you said something wrong and incorrect. And also relating to what you said in our preview about the Edmonton Oilers, Stuart Skinner, your voice, Stuart, Stu. He has been <laughs> unbelievable, man. He's shoving it up your hoop. He's played five games. He's won uh, yeah, five sorry, he started games. four. He started four. He's two and two. 
but his goals against is 2.1 and 0.944 save percentage. So, I mean, those two losses, if yeah. you're putting up 950 save percentages, that's not on you, man. Yeah, he's getting peppered. Okay, he's got he's got four game sample. For those of you who are wondering why he's putting up my, I said I would never trust my starting goalie having the name Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. Uh, oh, for well, all you Stewarts out there, I don't feel yeah. I don't I don't feel bad at all. Eat shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, he. I, I I'd like to see a, a bigger sample size, but dude. Yeah, okay, so even better. This guy's putting up these insane numbers that he's not going to sustain because his name's fucking Stewart, first of all. And second of all, just statistics are through the roof, and he's 2-2. Two and two. So what's going on? Yeah, I'm worried about Edmonton. I, I was going to hammer them heavy at the beginning of the year, but lots of red I'm flags. I'm on the Flames train right now. I'm on the Flames train. Well, they're losing too, buddy. I hope yeah, you I haven't know. seen their record I know. recently. I have, I have. I'm just telling you, I'm on the Flames train. I have a lot of Buy low, buy low. Them. Buy low, buy low. I just like made Bitcoin. a trade in my fantasy. I, I traded Boone Jenner, Anze Kopitar, and Hampus Limholm for um, Jonathan Huberdeau and uh, Kyle Connor. So we'll see if that works out because Huberdeau has been hot trash. But like you said, they're only going to trend up, dude. dude. Now, uh, I want to bring up the, um, Josh Anderson versus <laughs> Petriangelo hit. I mean, he got two game suspension for it. And if you haven't had the chance to see it, it seems like uh, Petrangelo was basically breaking it out of his zone on the left-hand side. So he's skating up the boards. And he gets to about in between the blue and the red line. And he kind of fumble fucks the puck. And he turns his back to the play to gain possession again of the puck. And he's about two feet from the boards, maybe. But at this same time that he's carrying up the puck up the ice, Josh Anderson is behind him and kind of back-checking on him but not really back-checking. He's kind of having a little bit of back pressure. And as soon as he sees that puck jump around, skip around on Pietrangelo, engages physically, and absolutely drops him from behind. And I see this more and more and more. Like, these players have zero fear of turning their back. And it's so counter to what we used to learn. I remember Mike Roy, after the end of every practice, we'd probably do 20 dump and chases on our own, just the defense, and he would always say head on a swivel, and he would always say you have to take the puck on an angle. We were taught for years and years and years, if you go straight into the boards or you turn your back to the play and you get hit from behind, that's basically your fault. But now it seems like it's turned around a little bit where it's actually the guy making contact's fault when the game's going 100 miles per hour, he drills Pietrangelo from behind. It was a hit from behind, gets two games suspension, Pietrangelo was not injured, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Yeah, it was pretty dirty. Uh, it, it gave me those uh, the Draper and Claude Lemieux vibes. Oh man, like that—that that was really. Do you know vicious. what I'm talking about? Yeah, a little yeah, similar. Uh, uh, like obviously not as far as like vicious and 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 what. Yeah, it Lemieux like drives his head like, into the corner. Right, this right, was right, more right, of like right, a, a a check and then release. Like I'm he didn't saying, drive yes, him into the yes, boards, of course. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, I guess that situation where they were at the bench and like that's just such a dangerous play. You see his like head folding into the boards. Uh, I think it was pretty good to see that Pietrangelo just jumped up and pretty much proceeded to speed bag him with like <laughs> four guys. It was a four. It looked like a curb stomp, which is pretty funny. Um, yeah, Josh Anderson got curb stomp. So two games and a curb stomp. I think it's fair. Uh, but like you said, it's like we're getting to that air where guys are going in on a straight line to the puck. Yeah. The defense are collecting no on a straight line. 
yeah, but it, with the intention of doing that shimmy shake and, yes. and, you know, but it's like, hey, you catch an edge or if that guy's ruthless or not really seeing it coming or whatever, you're you're going head first into the board. So. And, and the play happened so fast. Like, I don't think Josh Anderson meant to hit him from behind, but Pietrangelo rotated so quick to try and get that puck that was bouncing kind of stop it. I, I don't know. Like I, I'm guessing Anderson could have maybe slowed down a little bit, but these are, these are some things that are going to keep happening and they, they happen pretty often. So it's just kind well, of a people, shift in the yeah. mentality. What people don't realize is it, they always say, Oh, well, like, why didn't he just stop? Like he sees he's vulnerable. Like just stop, blah, blah, blah. Dude, I'm not an overly physical guy and I'm not a dirty player by any means, but when you have it set in your head, Hey, I'm finishing my check here. Maybe on the bench before coach said, fuck Andy, like, let's go, buddy. You got to start, you know, buying in, you know, play hard, be physical out there. And he's in his next shift saying like, okay, I got to finish my checks. I got to do this. Once your mind is set that you're going to hit a guy, it's, it's like you said, it happens so fast. Like there's no controlling that. I have absolutely pretzeled guys from behind, (laughs) like to the point where afterwards I was like, oh, fuck that. Like my bad buddy. That was bad. But once you have it set set in stone, it's like I'm finishing my check, and and you got to be ready for it. So yeah, it's almost instinctual. Yeah. Um, moving on to NHL Halloween costumes, dude. There were some doozies this year. What was your favorite one that you saw uh, come out hit the the internet? I, I like I, I I think guys I like the theme ones. You got to go with the full theme. I saw the the I think it was what was it Boston that did the, the yeah Mario? they did the, they, they had went to Mario the children's Luigi hospital. Day. But yeah, Peach, Donkey Kong, like that that's what I'm talking about. Like I like the commitment from that. Uh it's cool because it seems like Halloween's a really fun time of the year for for the NHL guys. They go all out. They invest a lot in their costume. And I think Jesse Pujarvi took the number one consensus one with his girlfriend, whereas like finding Nemo the girl, he was like the girl that trapped one of the Nemo fish and he had the braces yes. on and the pigtails. He yes. was pretty good. But my favorite was uh I like Jesper Pratt and his girlfriend. They were Team Rocket from Pokemon. I thought they were pretty creative and pretty fun. They're bringing out a classic. So I'm surprised he still knows about that. He's a pretty young guy. He's younger than me. But uh, I thought that that was great. And yes, Dude, it seems uh, to be a, a rallying whoa, whoa, cry. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on. What? I, are you not aware that Pokemon is still like fucking Yeah, but massive. is Team Rocket still in the new Pokemon? Yeah, dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, that I didn't know. They were like oh, the yeah, classic ones, though. Uh, James yes, and what was it? Jesse James, and James. Jesse and James. And Meowcat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Meowth. Or Meowth, Meowth, yeah. Dude, you're all Boy. fucked up, man. Dude. <laughs> I got to re-listen to those songs. Got to catch a mouth. Uh, oh, just b- back to Halloween real quick. Did you hear what Crosby said? Uh, no, what did he say? With TNT? No, I oh, didn't, man, see, I didn't he, see this. Okay, he's on TNT with uh, with all the boys, uh, Biz, and um, who's who's the coach there, the bald guy? Rick Tockett. Yeah, talk. And, and they're going through, and he's saying, like, okay, like, Sid, you know, you guys were on a seven-game slide, like, the players talk about what you what did you do differently and he says oh man we just had to bring a little bit of fun back in the game like i was telling dupes i'm like fuck like ruski buddy listen to this man and cross is like yeah we had a shootout and we had some stakes on it it was fun like this and that and uh, he goes on to say biz goes hey so uh you turn the ship around does it have anything to do with going out and getting all licked up for halloween and Crosby starts to laugh, and he goes, "Yeah, it was really good timing for us. We we needed it. We needed to go out and have some fun and have a couple drinks." And uh, Biz goes, "Drink of choice," and he says, "Yeah, I was having a couple uh, gin gin sodas and uh, and and had a night there." So it was interesting to see from Sidney Crosby, the guy who's normally uh, yeah, a, a stone, letting... st- stone yeah, stone wall, letting Biz kind of Biz get Biz got business. in his kitchen now. 
Biz, Biz got him there. So he was talking about how liquored up the boys got and how they turned the ship around. So it was pretty interesting. That's awesome. Um, let's let's do our Dear Ali B segment and, and mosey on here. So this is our little uh, flashback from season one, episode one, the pilot Dear Ali B, where we've had multiple. Now that our fan base is like 85 people, we're moving up the ranks. We've received more letters, believe it or not, seeking your advice. So I've got two letters open and ready to go. And basically, I'm going to read them out. There's a little bit of a dilemma. And your job is to solve slash provide solution counseling for these distressed fans of ours. You ready to rock yep, and roll? Love, love, love the fan engagement. Love it. Love it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, man. Just, <laughs> yeah, go a little it. intro music, shall we? Fuck, yeah, of course. Dear Ali B. Dear Ali B. Dear Ali B. (laughs) Nice, I like the little add-ons there. So here we go. Letter number one. Dear Ali B. I had to make the tough call between being for the boys or patting the wallet. We were up one goal with a minute 35 left in the game, and I went down on a two-on-one with my linemate and bunny on an empty net. I have been on a five-game goal-scoring drought, and I'm a few goals shy from hitting my performance bonus, but the goal would have given my liney the Gordie Howe hat-trick. So after a few strides, I contemplated, but I decided to blast it in the net myself. My coach was definitely happy I didn't risk getting the pass broken up by the D-man and them coming back Patrick Stepan style. And my liney didn't seem to care too much that I decided to pot it myself. But when I got home, I still felt really bad about the situation. Did I make the right call? Oh, man. Uh, Five-goal game, five-game goal drought. Yeah, you know, you're familiar with those. Oh, buddy, try 18 oh, or whatever it was. Shit. No, it wasn't 18. I think it was 15. Buddy, I, I would have I, – I could have been on a 9 on 0, and I would have been going short side titty on the empty net. I can tell you that. <laughs> and I would have been selling. Uh, it, it's tough. I, th- I think the biggest thing here is, like, as much as you want to make that pass, I'm a pass person. I've done it 30 times where I've done the saucer pass over on an empty net or I've tried to make that extra play. Uh, what it comes down to is you got to win the game first and foremost, a minute 35, like you really want to solidify, uh, solidify that goal. Uh, I, you have to shoot it if, if that's the situation. But like I said, I'm, I'm a pass for, I got a funny story. Actually, Anthony Duclair had three goals one game, uh, when we were playing with the ramparts and, uh, I, this guy was on pace for, I think he had 46 goals at this point. Or he had potted three. He was at 43. He ended up at 46. And we had an empty net. Somehow I was on the ice. I don't know. I snuck out there. I have no clue. With Duclair, which is wild. But I ended up getting a pass. And we came down. And I was all alone. And I, like, stopped basically at the net. Passed it backwards to him. And he potted it in. And I was a guy. I had, like, one goal all year. This guy had 46. (laughs) I passed it back to him. I remember mom was like, what the fuck were you thinking? I was sitting there like, man, I don't know. Like, I just, I thought four goals would be pretty cool for this guy in the game, you know? And uh, it was neat because the media had said like, hey, so this is a guy that doesn't score often. He like pulled up and hit you, like blah, blah, blah. And Duclair was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to have to take him out to dinner. Like, it was really cool of him. And ended up like making the rounds on on social media, which was kind of cool. 
uh, fucking guy never bought me dinner. I was just about to say, so, now's the time to yeah, hit him up. I'm Remember that him, time? Yeah, I'm going to send him a, a Venmo request. Be like, dude, you owe me. <laughs> you owe me 45 Zloty, Polish Zloty, for me to go out and get a fucking steak, you piece of shit. I ended up the season with like three goals. He had 50. So help them get to 50. Uh, but but yeah, I think I, I'm always a pass-first guy, but you got a little performance bonus, five-game goal stroke. If it's your buddy and the play's not there, shooting it in the net's good. I, I think you said it perfect. The play's not there. I mean, two-on-one, two-on-oh, maybe I'm dishing it, but two-on-one, you hear those horrors going from hero to zero where you try and make that pass broken up, comes back down, and whatever XYZ is back in your net. And, uh, you know, you're going to be regretting that for a while. I agree with you. Uh, tough call. But I think the, and I think the line he understands. You kind of get it. And Gordy Howe hat trick, like, it's kind of cool. But it's not like, it's not like he's breaking records. Uh, Gretzky's uh, 39 and 50 record there. Like, I mean, it's just Gordy Howe hat trick. Lots of yeah, unless unless back. his fight was was to protect you after you got dumped yeah. from behind, eh? <laughs> yeah. then, yeah. then, then you, yeah. pa- you pass that puck through. That's but, true. That's uh, a good point. And you have to think like, okay, so if that gets broken up, like even if you end up winning the game, that's a minute and a half where your other teammates are out there blocking shots where they're, they can maybe get injured. Risk maybe your injury. line is yep. on the ice because if you're on the top line and then it's like, okay, now there's pressure face-offs, there's, there's blocking shots, there's your, your goalie all of a sudden has to make these extra saves. So if, if you really want to be a too. good team guy, put the puck in the net. You know? Fair point. Agreed. Second letter. Dear Ali B., I have popped off in my last year of CCHL Tier 1, which is now the new Junior A, and received a bunch of NCAA and Major Junior offers. I'm really torn, though, because the serious offers have come from two places. D1, University of Denver in the States, who is known for having one of the best hockey programs and also renowned for its partying. But the other team is known for pumping out prodigies, such as our boy Nate Dog McKinnon, with the Halifax Moosehead of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. You've been in a similar predict- predicament. D1, Quebec Major Junior, and when I say Major Junior, I'm talking about also OHL and Western Hockey League, but more specifically, you take in Denver, you take in Halifax. What do you got? Oh, man, it's so hard. And especially, like, I, I had my experience, and what I find when I talk to a lot of guys that went D1 or, or went major junior it's like the grass seems to be greener on the other side every time you know everyone thinks they would have maybe had a better like opportunity or a better experience if they had gone the other way uh i i think like it's it's got to be such a decision for for each guy is going to be different right i think the biggest thing is first of all are you a school guy is this something that you want to jump into right away um do you think you're mature enough to be heading to school uh right off the bat uh do you have maybe i guess now it's hard too because denver like if you're going to denver you have a good shot at the nhl anyways you know yeah it's come a long way like Like back in the day it used to be major junior because you play more games more exposure more scouts but now like the div one guys are getting signed right out of div one and even leaving early div one to go play you think of like adam fox well jimmy vc was one of the first guys i think goudreau even was in the was in the the college ranks yeah university ranks um jack eichel eichel there's yeah. a bunch. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that was for me were, dude, my grades were so bad in high school that like these scouts would come to the game and they'd say like, yeah, yeah, just send us your transcript by email. Like we really love what we'd see, you know. And I would just literally be like, ah, no, thanks for your interest. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what was your SAT score? I'm like, yeah, I didn't write it. 
They're like, why not? I'm like, just look at my fucking transcript, dude. I got a C plus in gym. Like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> so I was never really a school guy. But what's funny is like I had good success going to school CIS after and like having your school paid for. I went to the queue, had a cool experience. Uh, I just wasn't ready to go to school right away. And I think for me, like being as a player, I was a little bit more of the style of the major junior, which is big. Um, you think of uh, D1 is, is a lot more structure. It's dump and chase. It's physical. It's hard-nosed playing, whereas in the queue and major junior is a little bit more free, a little bit more creative. So I think if you fall into that, hey, I can play hard-nosed. I can, I'm very coachable. Um, I'll do what my coach says, this and that, then Denver would be fucking fun. God, I, th- I would love to go to Denver. Be it's funny because uh, I, I, I've gotten to really good talks with Northeastern which is a D1 school and uh, also Providence, which was a, a both Boston schools and um, uh, actually Providence is in Boston. Is it? It's near that area. Anyways. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, and Providence ended up winning the Natty championship like two or three years later. Oh, so like, you oh, would have been a fuck, part of it. Like maybe, maybe, or I would have been on the bench probably. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess it's just all about, uh, what feels right for you and, and go all in as whatever your experience is. Don't think about what it could have been or, or if you made the right decision, just uh, do the pros and cons and, and go from there. Yeah. And it seems like it's balanced out quite a bit back in the day. If you stepped on the ice major junior, you couldn't go NCAA and then that you, that means you lose your NCAA scholarship. But now they're offering kids that go into these major junior programs like you, like a, a school package after. So every year that you play in the Q or in the O or in the dub, will give you a year of your CIS or pay a year of your schooling afterwards. So it seems to be evening out quite a bit. I think, like you said, it's kind of a lifestyle thing. If you want to live a little bit more of the student life and play, I think they play weekends and 20 games a season, then maybe, you know, D1 is a route for you. But if you're looking for hockey only, basically, you play, what, 62 games? Um, A little bit more exposure, a little bit more on ice time, a little bit more like what it would be like to play in the pros. I think OHL, Quebec Major Junior, Western Hockey League is the way to go. Good advice, man. I think I would have put, well, I think younger me would have picked Halifax. Older me would have picked up, picked definitely Denver D1. So it's kind of interesting. Like you said, maturity-wise, it, it makes a big difference for sure. It's it's kind of hard to justify to a kid. Like I, I remember when I was that age, 17, 18, and someone comes up to you like, hey, you can go play hockey, be treated like an absolute pro, just focus on hockey. You don't have to go to school. You could fuck around. It's, it's just so hard to not want to do that, you know, as a young guy. I guess it, it comes then, down to the recruiting trip too, right? What kind of uh, oh, yeah. experience you get on that front. I think they're a little bit wilder on the D1 side. They have a little bit more leeway. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys are older too, generally. Yeah, it's true. Unless you're like this really insane prospect. Guys go to to the states a little bit older also you have to think like you can't even drink down there down there that's true too 21 you you got to be 21 so you got to be in your later years but i'm sure that i'm sure the teams they they make it those guys got to be boozing yeah oh yeah for sure for sure well dude this was fun episode seven an hour and 20 that's a long one but um, yeah we kind of good Good to chat with you. Went over some good stuff. We skipped over a couple things that we will come back to. And then obviously we want to pump up the big boy. Jean Doops is up next. And I think we're going to have a lot of laughs and a lot of chuckles on that one. So, Oh, man. Um, I, I don't know. This could, like It could go a million different ways. Like I, I think I could probably write him a script. 
Yeah, you got to keep him on the rails. No, no, we got to let him go. But I'm just saying. Let him loose? Let him loose. Let the, let the Sheldon Keefe in his first year of coaching. Let him loose, boys. Let him loose. Yeah, it'll be interesting to get some some tales. He's played with some pretty great players too, so it'll be nice. He to has some fun stories, you guys, and fun stories. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, what an epi, This buddy. was fun. It's been a pleasure. As per usual, enjoy. Bye bye. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.